0: Let's get to our interview, J.C. Sherbert, owner of the Big Spur, part of the 24-7 Sports Network, and he's the host of the Inside Gamecocks podcast and the J.C. and Morgan College Football podcast. You can find the links to all that in the show notes. Let's kick it over to our interview. We're pleased now to be joined by J.C. Sherbert, and of course, Gamecock fans, everybody knows that name. He's the owner of the Big Spur, part of the uh, 24-7 Sports Network. And he's the host of the inside Gamecocks podcast and the JC Morgan college football podcast. JC, thanks for joining me. I really do appreciate you.
1: Hey Mike, no problem. Glad to jump on with you and um, be a part of this podcast. I'll tell you during the, the, the summer months when it looked like we weren't may not have SEC football this year and uh, everybody was kind of debating about the pandemic or whatnot. uh, I, I, I did a lot of driving around and listening to you guys uh, and some other podcasts that that I went to and you guys kind of got me through it personally. So (laughs) it's an honor to be here uh, and talking to you about a little Gamecock football. All
0: right, great. Well, hey, I got to start obviously there with, uh, you know, just talking about the Gamecocks because I've got some flack here lately. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a huge fan of Shane Beamer higher. Not that I think it's going to be terrible. Hell, you could – you could be uh, Tennessee right now and have Josh Heupel. I think I'd rather have Shane Beamer and his staff. Uh, Josh Heupel can't even get himself a coordinator there, but kind of talk me off the ledge. I, I don't want to say off the ledge here, but to, you know, what is the most optimistic part of Shane Beamer running the Gamecock program in your eyes?
1: It's, it's, it's difficult to evaluate, and I, and I understand from the out, outside people that are skeptical about any coach that you bring in that, isn't known for a a great offense or a great defense. You hadn't had the coordinator experience and all that, because you kind of like to point to something, right. You kind of like to look at it and go, well, you know, this, this is what, this is how many yards they put up or this, is how many yards they held this team to. And, you know, that's the reason this person's the head coach and that doesn't exist with Shane. You got to kind of dig a little bit deeper, uh, with, with the, uh, the resume, but I've known this guy for a long time. Um, Didn't know he would be back at South Carolina as the head coach, but when he left South Carolina in 2010, I I wrote for ESPN.com at the time when I was a national recruiting writer, that this guy would be a future head coach. Uh, And I've always known that. Um, Extremely organized, knows uh, sort of how to run a program in the modern era. And I'll tell you, Mike, if you look around, things are changing. Um, You know, there's a lot of coaching hires that have been made the last five years that I would have sworn would have never worked out that, that have. Uh, and then the, that I would have sworn would have worked out that didn't, more so on the didn't end. I mean, you look at Tom Herman at Texas. I would have never thought that would have worked out. It was a home run. Jim Harbaugh at Michigan hasn't, hasn't not worked out yet, but uh, you tell me if you didn't expect a little more out of him. Chip Kelly at UCLA. Uh, Scott Frost at uh, Nebraska. I mean, Florida's top two during their last coaching search was – where Chip Kelly and Scott Frost, they both went elsewhere. And then look at who's winning. It's Danny Kicks, Danny Mullen. You know, he's 29-9 and 9 for the Gators. And, um, you know, sometimes it's the guy that's kind of familiar with your place. And sometimes it's the guy that, quite frankly, you know, kind of understands where he's at. Because th- there's a lot of places that maybe try to copy other schools. And, and, and I think sometimes when you do that, you, you end up being a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy, and, and that, that diminishes your quality. Certain things work at certain schools, certain, certain things don't. Uh, I think it's ridiculous for South Carolina to try to be Alabama or Georgia. I don't think they'll ever be uh, a school that, you know, you can sit there and, and recruit like Bama and Georgia and run the Saban process and, and do all that and, and be successful. I, I think that's unrealistic. I, I think South Carolina has to be different, and I think Shane Beamer brings that to the table. He's also – An outstanding recruiter, uh, and he's a guy that also recognizes coaching uh, talent. Uh, You know, if you could go back in time and look at the better staff Steve Spurrier had, you know, Shane Beamer was responsible uh, for introducing a lot of those coaches to Steve Spurrier. He's just got that big of a Rolodex and, uh, you know, shoot, he's lost uh, a couple of coaches, uh, you know, that uh, a couple that he uh, had kept and a couple that went to Auburn and a couple went to the NFL And he's filled them with quality people. And and so I think all that makes it a good hire, a sneaky good hire for the Gamecocks. Because I think that, you know, you look at the program and how it just bottomed out this year under Muschamp, there's a lot of healing that has to take place in the locker room. Shane Beamer's been very smart with his off-the-field support staff, uh, from strength coach to a guy named Derek Moore, who he got from Georgia Tech, who uh, is one of the biggest inspirational guys in college football. Um, and to every coach sort of being on the same page of, hey, you know, this is positive energy. you got to get this thing going back in the right direction, and, and that's kind of what South Carolina needs. Can't guarantee he's going to win. It's a tough job, but I think with the way the East is right now, there, I still keep waiting for there not to be an opportunity for South Carolina to get back up in that top three, uh, but there is. You know, th- there's uh, there's really no reason right now why South Carolina – can't compete with Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. That's four games every year. Um, And we'll see if they can do it this coming season. Um, But uh, those are all the reasons I think that Shane Beamer was a good hire for South Carolina. I understand, again, the skepticism from the outside because, like I said, there's nothing you can point to. But, uh, you know, good or bad, really. Um, Except, you know, he was assistant head coach to a couple of coaches that are, you know, pretty big time. So, You know, we'll see what happens, but uh, I I have a lot of faith in him just having known him all these years and, you know, understanding exactly what South Carolina as a program right now needs uh, to get back to that point where they're competing with Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, because they're not doing it right
0: now. Now, of all the hires Shane Beamer has made, whether it be a coordinator or assistant or, you know, even someone off the field, which, if there's one hire that's kind of impressed you the most, who would that be?
1: I, I would have to go with, you know, and, and your listeners will recognize this name, Justin Stepp, who was the receivers coach at Arkansas. I mean, this guy was at SMU, uh, got to SMU with Chad Morris. They were in shambles. He goes out and recruits and develops players that, that go to the NFL or whatever. Uh, and you got to find guys at SMU. They're You know, you're in Texas there, and you got to kind of wait for the other guys. And then at Arkansas, he's at Arkansas for – the worst two-year period I think they've ever had when Morris was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he landed eight four-star guys. Uh, and Justin Steph is from the state of South Carolina. He's from Columbia. Uh, it's kind of a dream for him to come back home. And, and I think when you look at South Carolina's receiving core as a whole, you know, two things stick out. Number one, there's no reason – given the wide receiver talent that comes out of that state, the South Carolina should be terrible at receiver as bad as they were last year. And number two, if you want a guy to fix it, it's just a step. Um, so, so that that's the guy there off the field. Uh, you know, Derek Moore is probably somebody that people are familiar with. I would just go Google Derek Moore, Georgia tech, motivational speak, speech, uh, and just kind of see what he brings to the table. It is. It is it, beyond just being a guy that gives a great speech before a game. Lots of people can do that. Um, you know, he really gets in there with the players, works with them one-on-one these days, Mike, you have to have the complete package because kids that play ball these days are different. It's a lot different, uh, mindset. It's a lot different in terms of how you reach this generation. Um, and Derek Moore is a guy that can, I think can help, uh, in that regard, which is, a, you know, I talk about what South Carolina needs, uh, a lot of the mental aspect of it, uh, needs to be sort of, uh, re-examined and, and, and rebuilt, so to speak. And I think you know, having a guy like Derek there really helps that.
0: Now, on the latest uh, edition, the National Signing Day breakdown of uh, the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, you did a really good job explaining to fans why, yes, you look at the rankings, South Carolina dead last in the SEC. They had a very small class. Can you give the listeners here on, on my show just a you know a brief breakdown on why South Carolina fans – shouldn't be freaking out by that uh, number 14 ranking.
1: Yeah. I mean, you look at it, they only counted 13 guys and having, you know, worked from day one at 24 seven sports and sort of helped with the, in the meetings to design that formula. It's, it's really, it does punish you. It punishes you for not having four star, five star players. And it punishes you for not having a lot of players in South Carolina, you know, had 13 guys. I don't think they had a four star in the class. Uh, But what you have to keep in mind is, number one, you know South Carolina's entire 2020 recruiting class, which is ranked 19th in the country, which is pretty good, all redshirted and only one guy is left. So so all those guys are still there. So what Shane Beamer and his staff did was they focused on the portal uh, and junior college players. So so those 10 guys that ended up, the, the three JUCOs and the seven portal guys, they're distributed throughout the roster. In other words, there's some seniors, juniors, sophomores, freshmen. So South Carolina doesn't have this uber huge freshman class, which can, you know, screw up your numbers down the road. Um, and then, so that's a, in a year where you probably were not going to sign a, a you know, you're going to have to take a lot of gambles with a lot of, a lot of freshmen. I think it's smart to go in that direction. Um, and, and then, in, and so you look at it and in, in, you know, in case they all don't hit and, and you don't have a lot of difference makers in this class uh, it, it's not like a bulk of your roster down the road. So you're not sitting there going, oh, man, you know, when, when this class gets to be in a leadership role, we're going to be really hurting because you have that 2020 class, all red shirted, you've only lost one, they're all in. So, so it's almost like, you know, kind of a filler class. And, and I, I think that was pretty smart. They had a lot of immediate needs that they were going to have to hit the portal for, especially a wide receiver. They needed a quarterback, needed some uh, depth in the secondary and on the D line and so you know I, I thought that was kind of a wise move because you know you take the PR hit because yeah it's an ugly number you take it and 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 the optics don't look good and I'm sure a lot of people are going to be talking about it during the offseason and it's going to be uh, a pretty sexy pick to pick the Gamecocks last I think in the east below Vandy um, and, and I I think that's probably going to happen and people are going to point to that class but you know, the bottom line is they got help where they needed it. And it's such a small class. And, and so dist- it's distributed so, you know, differently throughout the roster, you know, that really down the road, it's, it's not going to kill them uh, in case they don't work out. I think there's some good football players in that class. I think there's some guys that are going to have to develop. I-, I like all the transfers. Um, so we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, certainly that number was ugly. Uh, but and I don't want to say ugly by design because nobody really wants it to be you know ugly by design. But given the way they approached it, you know, and, and just the the simple math where you know you're, those seven guys aren't going to count. I mean, bottom line, they're not going to count. Um, you know, I, I think that it, there's a little bit more to meets the that meets the eye uh, than just that um, that big ugly number.
0: Now I'm glad you referenced the transfers there because they brought in a ton of them. Is there one or two specifically that you're, you're really anticipating having a, a major impact on this team next season?
1: Yeah, Amarian Brown is a re- slot receiver that I think, to be honest, he's, he's, he's at least as good as Shy Smith, in my opinion. Having watched him at Georgia Tech, uh, probably a little bit different than Shy in terms of uh, straight-line breakaway explosive ability. I, I talked to some folks that coached, with, coached him at Georgia Tech, and, boy, they just raved about the guy. He's from Tampa, Tampa Jefferson, home of Steven Garcia. So, oh, there's, well. a, there's a, a Gamecock lure there, a connection there. And, and he's kind of what the Gamecocks need uh, there offensively, I think. Um, I think he's one to watch. And then there's this kid, man, from Delaware. He's a linebacker. His name's Daryl Williams. He's Debo. He calls himself Debo. Uh, well, you look out for this guy, man. His film, you, you turn it on – and he's not like a – he's one of these transfers, though, that, that still has five years left because he went to Delaware, University of Delaware. They canceled their season, um, and then he transferred. Um, and, and you look at him, he's Marshawn Lloyd's high school buddy. And, and so you look at him on film and you're like, my goodness, this guy's like a heat-sinking missile. And and then you see him in the weight room and he's he's just all jacked up and like – uh, enthusiastic about that, and the coaches are raving about him. Uh, so, so, if you look at if you're looking for a sleeper out there for South Carolina next year, then write the name Debo Williams down uh, at linebacker because uh, he's he's probably going to be a guy that at least makes some noise on special teams.
0: Now, you mentioned Marshawn Lloyd right there. Shane Beamer this week gave a promising update. You know, he didn't necessarily say you know he's going to be suited up and going through all the drills this spring, but he kind of indicated that you know, he should be participating at least as long as his rehab continues to to go in the right direction here. So, you know, taking that into consideration and Kevin Harris having a huge season last year, is it fair to say that uh, South Carolina may have the best one-two punch in the SEC at running back next year?
1: And see, that's a start, you know, and, and with the type of offense they're going to run, there's going to be a lot of Lincoln-Riley influence, and a lot of people think that, you know, they, you say Lincoln-Riley, people are like, oh, come on, man. Uh, and what I mean by this is Lincoln-Riley influence, like his schemes and his concepts. And if you notice, Oklahoma loves to run. They love to run the football uh, out of their formations and stuff, especially with multiple backs. Uh, South Carolina has not only those two guys coming back. They have five starters coming back on the offensive line. Uh, they do lose Sedarius Hutcherson up front but they get Jordan Rhodes who opted out last year back and Jordan started uh, all of 2019. So you got five starters, maybe three people that are seniors on the offensive line. Boy, that's a great start when you talk about those two backs and, and all that, you got to have a quarterback obviously uh, and you got to have some help at receiver and, and they got good tight ends and H backs coming back too. So I, I think that that's the key, you know, if Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks are going to surprise people this year, if the offense is going to take a step forward, statistically and and all that this year you know that's where it's got to start in the run game with Marshawn Lloyd and Kevin Harris and you know Kevin Harris is good Marshawn Lloyd is was an elite recruit um you know and you you have to you have to think that that's that's at least along with the line coming back uh, a pretty good start for the Gamecocks
0: now you referenced the quarterback there I know it's you know so far down the road here but if you had to make a prediction right now Who's taking that first snap for the Gamecocks? Do you think it's Luke Doty?
1: Shoot, I don't know. You know, Luke Doty was kind of penciled in, um, and I, I like Luke a lot. And, you know, some people watched Luke play last year, those last couple of games. And, yeah, I mean, you know, he's a true freshman. He did some true freshman stuff. Um, you know, that don't don't write him off based on that. But, uh, you know, especially in the passing game, but he's got some wheels to him. He can, he can make all the throws. Uh, He's a very, very competitive kid, Uh, which you need. You need that moxie out there. But they brought in a guy in the transfer portal um, that's very, very competitive as well, Jason Brown from uh, St. Francis of PA. I have no idea. I have no idea, Mike, who recruited Chancellor High School in Fredericksburg, Virginia, (laughs) and missed – on, on Jason Brown and EJ Jenkins to where they all ended up at uh, at St. Francis. You know, I mean, where's Old Dominion? Where's Towson? Where, shoot, where's Maryland for these guys? I mean, I, I was like, wow. You know, even Virginia, Virginia Tech, I'm like, whoever was recruiting, wh- whoever had that school man, Old Dominion, you know, they, they probably need to have a talking to, because I, I couldn't believe these kids played for St. Francis PA. Um, and of course, Jenkins is a six foot seven, 240 pound receiver uh, who's, if, if he can adjust to the speed of the SEC game, he can be a freak. Uh, but you look at Brown, uh, Brown's kind of like the guys they like in the pros a lot these days because he's he's 230. He's not a, a dual threat traditional guy where you'd say, yeah, we're going to go run him on zone read and all that. But he can run just enough to get yards and he's got a really good arm. And so, he's the prototype quarterback that people really like these days. Now, I mentioned that thing before about adjusting to the speed of the SEC. Can he do it? Yeah, you know, and that, that's going to be the whole question with the two guys from St. Francis because they're not playing anybody up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody close to who South Carolina's got to play. But I, I do think that Brown coming in does give Doty some competition, uh, big time. You know, and, and you don't know who's going to win it, and it's, it's, it's probably going to be good for both of them. That there is that type of competition, um, so that 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 will probably last, I think, into the fall. Um, I, I think that you know, and whoever wins, I think Gamecock fans need to get behind him because we've had a real toxic experience with Gamecock fans and quarterbacks here, from Jake Bentley through the Colin Hill and and uh, stuff, Colin Hill stuff last year, and, and then finally into Doty. I think I think it's time for the Gamecock fans to rally behind whoever gets the quarterback job. Uh, And and I'm going to say, I don't know which one that will be. I can see scenarios where either one wins.
0: Now, I wanted to ask you about uh, breakout candidates on South Carolina's roster, maybe a player or two that uh, maybe your casual SEC fan doesn't know, you know, insert players, kind of like a uh, Kevin Harris going into, he just had such a huge year last season. Uh, Who's a player or two that comes to your mind that could have that kind of breakout for the, the Gamecocks next season?
1: I'm going to go with a a guy that plays H-back. Probably it's H-back in this system. He was a tight end previously uh, named Jaheim Bell. He'll be a redshirt freshman. He's from Valdosta, Georgia. South Carolina beat Oklahoma and Florida on him in recruiting. Uh, When he played last year, it looked like he belonged. He had a knee injury that, you know, kept him from really even practicing until like mid to late October. And I think in this system, yeah, he'll be a guy that you go, man. That guy's catching some passes. Where did he come from? Uh, that's offensively. You know, on, on defense, uh, you know, everybody finally heard about JJ Enigbare last year, and everybody knows about Jordan Birch because he's a he's a five star guy. But I'm going to go with another defensive end that, that may not start, but he's going to make some noise. He played really well last year uh, in the situations he was put in. Uh, And that's Tonka Hemingway, Tonka Hemingway, number 91. Uh, Like I said, played really well when he played last year. Uh, I think he's ready to take that next step. Now, are they going to start him over Birch and Enigbare? Probably not. But I think you're going to see him make a lot of plays uh, here coming up for the Gamecocks this season.
0: Now, I don't know why, for whatever reason, maybe it was a Will Muschamp thing, but it seemed like South Carolina always started spring camp so early. They pushed it back this year. Uh, Shane Beamer's talked about that I think that's you know the wise decision you got to implement your system and strength coach and all that so uh, thoughts on them kind of pushing the spring back and and what's the the big storylines you're going to be watching this year with the Gamecocks once they get into spring
1: well I'd tell you as far as pushing it back that, that's needed I mean everybody I talked to previous staff current staff whatever during the transition it's like this locker room needs to heal they need to heal they need positive reinforcement. Uh, they need to get to know this new coaching staff. Uh, they need to blend with the new players. I, I, I think that that's smart to start a little late because, you know, there is a mental and, and, and I guess I don't want to say emotional, but social side of it to where you need to bond with your teammates. And, and that was a big problem with South Carolina last year. They had a lot of guys that were just kind of doing their own thing. They, they weren't really playing together as a team for most of the season. And, um, and that was unfortunate, and that's why, that's why they went two and eight and there was a coaching change. But uh, so, so I think that – I think as far as, like, what I'm looking for in the spring is where is everybody going to play? In, in other words, like, you know, you, you look at the receivers and H-backs and tight ends. Okay, well, who, who, who's really going to play this and who's really going to play that? They have 18 receivers on their roster this spring, 13 scholarship guys. A lot of these guys have done absolutely nothing – uh, whether that's because of injury or, or, or other since they've been at South Carolina. So I'm wondering, are they going to move some guys to the secondary? Also, uh, the new defensive coordinator, Clayton White, he runs a 4-2-5 base defense. It's different than Champs. So he uses like a spur nickel type of guy. Uh, so, so who's going to play that, that fifth DB spot, you know? Uh, under Ellis Johnson, when he was here and, and, and they ran a 4-2-5, that was called a spur, and guys like Darian Stewart, Devontae Holloman, and Antonio Allen played that spot. Um, but, you know, some guys use it differently. With some guys, it's like a, it's just an extra corner or it's a, it's an extra safety or it's not really quite a safety linebacker or whatever. So I'm curious to see in the secondary who goes where because, honestly, you, you look and you see, like, a list of guys in the secondary. They're all DBs, but you don't quite know uh, because they did cross train under Muschamp quite a bit, you know. You don't quite know who's going to be a safety, who's going to be a corner. Torian and Gray, the new defensive backs coach, I think is one of the best in the country, uh, and he's going to figure all that out. So that that's one thing I'm really looking for. Uh, besides things like the quarterback battle mm-hmm. and stuff like that, is how is it? How are what are where are they going to place some of these guys uh, moving forward? And so who's going to be competing and all that?
0: Now another benefit potentially of pushing that spring back is you know, obviously you're going to have a later spring game. And my understanding is uh, the NCAA dead period runs till April 15th, if I'm not mistaken. And I know you're far more plugged in than just Columbia and South Carolina, very plugged into the recruiting scene all across the country. Who in the hell knows what the NCAA is going to do with this dead period? But are you you getting any (laughs) feedback on, on whether, you know, if they lift it at the 15th, you know, if they're going to be able to host prospects at, uh, if it's at a later date than the April 15th.
1: I mean, yeah, that would be huge. I think, and I don't know if they made this with that in mind, but, uh, that would be huge. at least have some prospects on campus. I mean, obviously I, I don't think at that point we're going to be in a position to where there's not like a, a crowd restriction. In other words, um, it's, uh, in other words, they'll limit, they'll limit it to 15,000, just like Mm -hmm. they did the regular games. But, you know, if you can have guys masked up on the sidelines, making visits or whatever, that would be outstanding because it's, uh, you know, that's obviously an advantage to get kids on your campus, South Carolina, you know, they built that big nice uh, football facility and that they really haven't had a full recruiting cycle uh, to where it mattered, you know, because they, they, they opened it sort of late and, you know, to get started on 2020, uh, and then it, they end up, you know, COVID ends up killing it for 2021, and so it's been kind of a closed building and stuff, so that's that would be huge for them. And, um, you know, what I've been hearing, you know, the April 15th thing, uh, I've heard two different things, that they're going to try to do something, in other words, to lift some restrictions from April 15th. That's one school of thought. The other school of thought is it's probably going to go on until June, uh, so don't be surprised if it do, keeps right on going and they're sitting there, t- schools are sitting there trying to Zoom recruit, which is, I think, Mike, completely unfair. I think it's, 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 it's awful, uh, you know, because some of these kids are, are making decisions, you know, based on Zoom. That's like uh, marrying somebody off online dating. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Come on, man. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like getting on match and being like, all right, all right, let's just get married. All right all right you know and 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 i just don't think that's that's healthy so uh and that's not gonna be good for the transfer portal here in a couple of years so i'm I'm hopeful that, that they do you know allow some common sense safe visit type of things to to occur uh after after april 15th
0: all right last thing for you jc and i'm not going to hold you to this because it's so early and who in the hell knows what's going to happen with, with spring, and, and hopefully no one gets injured. But we know players inevitably will. If everything breaks right for the Gamecocks, can you give me, you know, an early record prediction for South Carolina next season? What, how many wins are you expecting from this team next year?
1: I think if things break right, South Carolina can can get. If you look at their schedule, and, and it it's 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 kind of a, a good deal because they open with Eastern Illinois. They have a road game at East Carolina, which is going to scare people. But, you know, East Carolina's not all the way back. Then they go to Georgia, and that's not good. But then they got Kentucky at home, Troy at home, at Tennessee, and then Vandy at home. So that's not a, that's not a brutal type of deal. <laughs> you know, if you, if you really think about it, they, they should start 2-0. And Kentucky, Tennessee, toss-ups, they should beat Vandy. I'm not going to. I'm not gonna, they haven't lost to Vandy in a long time. I'm not gonna give Vandy that win. Uh, they should beat Troy. So, the first part of their schedule sets up for a you know five and two type of start if things go their way. So, it's uh, uh I think they could get back to six wins, get back to a minor bowl, uh, and then get some recruiting classes in. All is not lost. This, this roster is not as bad as the roster Will Muschamp took over from Steve Spurrier. It, it may be a roster that mentally doesn't believe it can win, uh, unlike Spurrier's guys who could. But, you know, you look at this roster, you, you got 17 offensive linemen in the program right now. Uh, all are pretty good and athletic. That, that's an awesome number. Uh, you know, you look, you're probably going to be too deep on the defensive line, which is some schools can't do that with quality guys. Uh, the running backs, like you mentioned, uh, there are numbers at linebacker now numbers at tight end H back. I mean, so there are pieces in place there. It just, it just has to come together and it starts with this uh, you know, mental recovery type of thing uh, here before they start spring practice. So I, I'm not, I don't even think I'd be in a Homer by saying uh, that I think South Carolina can get back to a, a bowl next year. I just, I just know the media in, in this conference and every year they pick one thing. Right. So a few years ago was the gamecocks are going to win the east right so and then it was like well no 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 that's not it so so tennessee's going to be back you know that that's one thing and then missouri because of their schedule they're going to go into that game with georgia undefeated and may they may win the east with kelly bryant right and uh that team finished 6 and 6 barry odom got fired um, you know kentucky was going to be the darlings this year and they did get to a bowl and they had a nice season but did that team compete for the east I, I don't i don't know you know we still haven't seen tennessee get back i mean there there's there's always these darlings in the east and and i think that that won't be south carolina this year thankfully because it was in 2018 and they finished a disappointing 7 and 6 so uh, i i think that you know that'll be a good thing for the gamecocks let somebody else be the darling but i do think one of the popular takes is going to be South Carolina will finish dead last. And I think they'll use the recruiting ranking without any context to say it. Uh, and then the fact Carolina was two and eight last year uh, to just combine into a they they're terrible, all that good stuff. I've already seen it. I'm waiting on it. But I, I, I'll i disagree with that and say uh, I don't think I'd be in a homer saying the Gamecocks can get to a bowl given the schedule.
0: Well, I think I'm uh, damn guilty of just about everything all those narratives you just said so that's a good note to get on
1: out on here (laughs) no 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 man I've 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 no 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 because I I've I talked about but no that's I'm guilty of it too I mean it's not I'm not uh I I hate it because no I looked at the Missouri schedule and said yeah I mean and and then they started 4-0 and I was like yeah and then Kelly Bryant started you know doing Kelly Bryant kind of things and it was it was over, you know, <laughs> and then they lost to Vandy, and it was crazy, uh, you know. And then South Carolina a couple of years ago, I was on that bandwagon as well. I thought they were going to beat Georgia uh, in game two, and they didn't. And that was just uh, that was it. And then I, I started becoming skeptical with Kentucky this year. I was like, yeah, you know, everybody said this about Missouri last year, and I just, I don't know, you know. So no, no, nah, don't don't feel bad. I'm 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 right there with you on some of these narratives. I'm just saying. I guarantee you a narrative will be South Carolina's finishing seventh in the East and dead last in the SEC this Mm. year. All
0: right. Well, he's JC Sherbert. Once again, the owner of the big spur the go to site for South Carolina information. You got to check out the podcast inside the Gamecocks podcast and the JC and Morgan college football podcast. JC, thanks again for joining me. I really do appreciate
1: you. Hey Mac, it's an honor and uh, certainly always good to be on. And, Hopefully we'll talk again soon, several times maybe between now and the start of the
0: season. Sounds great.